apologize that uh, right after our Nutcracker episode, like literally two days after, I decided, I guess, my body decided to get a chest cold. Oh. And like I'm, I'm now almost a hundred percent back to feeling good to go, but I'm still a bit nasally, like a bit stuffed. So if I sound a bit different, I apologize for that. <laughs> you got the sniffles. Yeah, it's the time of the year, you know. Yeah. Perfect time to not work. You know, great. <laughs> Speaking of the time of the year, coming off of last week's Nutcracker, yep. we're following up with more holiday cheer. Of course, this, year, this yeah. week with uh, with more Christmas movies, yes. which begs the question. Um, <laughs> You know, we we've talked about favorite movies and that sort of favorite Christmas movies. I think and that we did sort of last thing. week, yeah. 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 But uh, what, what's your take, Logan, on a on a most overrated Christmas movie? <sighs> that's the thing, though. Too is like, I guess technically any Christmas film that's still in circulation now is pretty overrated. Yeah. Like, because basically, if you're a Christmas film, uh, the corporation or studio that owns you will just run it into the ground every year. Oh, absolutely. Because yeah. of circulation, and either that or you're like a Hallmark situation <laughs> where you just make 50 of them every right, year, right. new ones. Or you get to a point where it's lazy and you just do other Hallmark films from years prior. <laughs> but I guess for me, and I, my parents are not going to love this answer because they love this film, but for me, I think overrated or at least, shockingly, I just don't understand the hype overall, is Love Actually. Love Actually oh, okay. is such an odd christmas film yeah like do you like a christmas film that ends like some storylines just end <laughs> maybe they end sad yeah maybe they like because like that film is just very much like you know i I love the idea of like following different stories that are interconnected sure, in different ways sure. but like that film is just tonally all over the place <laughs> and it's so weird too much jumping around yeah i mean it, but i think a lot of people love it and i understand why because it has a great cast yeah it has silly moments and when it works it works mm-hmm. like you got liam neeson colin firth hugh grant emma thompson alan rickman like it is a truly like aren't all top... those people like also in the holiday <laughs> i think so yeah. yeah i think so yeah another well, bad movie with a big cast well it's also weird too is that like love actually is so loved but it's also like a rated r film oh yeah because one of the storylines is about uh two porn stand-ins who fall in love with one another uh one of them oh. played by martin freeman in <laughs> the sure entire not. time where he's trying to ask her <laughs> to like go on a date with him he's like pretending he's having sex with her and like oh, shots God. and it's like what kind of felt <laughs> like the other like a week or two ago i went with adam to uh, upland and we saw it on freeform like that's a um, film that's on free like that's yeah. on cable and it's like that film has like an a quirky scene where alan rickman's trying to buy something for a woman he wants to have sex with that isn't his wife and it's like very silly and like you know yeah, rowan yeah. atkinson is like the guy who setting it all up and it's such a bizarre film but classic holiday cheer yeah i mean yeah if you enjoy it you enjoy it but for me it just doesn't it doesn't hit me the same way as i guess it does my parents but do you you have one well my only the only thing that keeps coming to me and like like you said i feel like every christmas movie at this point like the the five that everybody names as like their favorite or whatever are all overrated but like yeah this one almost hurts me to say but like my first answer when when i thought of the question was elf which yeah. I hate to say because I I no. love that movie. It's a great movie. It's no, hilarious. Yeah. No, but good. it's kind of, it's kind of like The Office of Christmas movies. It's like everybody yeah. loves it. I love The Office too. Don't get me wrong, but it's like everyone's answer. It's everyone's favorite thing. Everybody thinks it's like the best thing ever made. Yeah. And it's just like, well, you know, I mean, 
Yeah, it, it's good. It's fun. I, I think to me the Gen X answer would probably be a Christmas story because while that oh, film yeah, yeah, is objectively like great because it's just it just is well made it's like very funny yeah it is played to death every year on just one channel if you mm-hmm. check other channels it's on all the time as well yeah. but like yeah and a millennial choice is probably going to be elf yeah because it's the same way like i do remember i think i saw elf in theaters as my grandpa when it came out initially and i remember liking it but I know I never loved it. Mm-hmm. Very similar to like I've always liked what I've seen in The Office. I've never loved The Office the way that other people sure. have loved it. And like, yeah, I can I can see Elf being a good choice for that. But we are not talking about an Elf trilogy you <laughs> didn't know about because today on Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, I'm Logan Sowash. and I'm Andy Carr. And on Odd Trilogies with Logan and Andy, we take a trio of films that are either tied together by thematic elements, by number, or similar cast and crew. We go film by film, and we talk about the good, the bad, and the weird surrounding each film. And today, just like our Nutcracker episode, we're doing three in one with another classic, quote-unquote, festive (laughs) trilogy that is probably the quintessential Disney Christmas film at this point, like trilogy, because I can't think of another Disney Christmas trilogy or... Yeah. It's Tim Allen's The Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. We're doing the Tim Allen Santa Claus trilogy with 1994 Santa Claus, 2002 Santa Claus 2, and then 2006 Santa Claus 3. The Escape Clause. The Escape Clause. And... I, do we want to go right into it, or do we just, like... Uh, well, I mean, I guess I guess now, now that we're knee-deep, we're, like, going to go right before we get into Santa Claus 1. This is the, probably the perfect time. If you were a kid listening to this... Must have cool parents to let just like a <laughs> podcast, just like listen to any kind of podcast you want. But if you're a kid or an adult who believes in Santa, might be the best time to leave this podcast because we were, I had a question for you specifically pertaining to Santa, and we'll give you a few seconds to leave. Hey everyone, this is Logan coming to you from the future, telling you if you want to skip the conversation we're just about to have about Santa Claus, especially if you have kids around right now, I would say skip to the time code 858 to get right into the film conversation. With that said, enjoy the rest of the episode. All right, there we go. We got a few seconds to leave. (laughs) I wanted to ask you, because it is a very interesting story, because I think everyone has their own version of it, but like for you personally, Andy, when did you realize that Santa wasn't real? Uh, I think it was a... a I was pretty young, I think, when I figured it out, but I also think it was a very gradual process. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there was a part of me for several years that was just like, I know he's not real, but I like the idea that he's real. So, like, I'm yeah. going to continue to kind of live in that fantasy, even though, yeah, I'm pretty sure my parents are the ones who bought these for mm-hmm. me, you know. And it, it was just, it was never a crisis for me. <laughs> it was yeah. always just a. Oh, yeah, Santa's awesome. I love Santa, but also, like, he didn't get me these presents. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't know. It was just a weird, I remember, I believed in him for a while, and then, I don't know, maybe when I was early elementary school, I just started piecing it together. Got and, it. That makes sense. Uh, for me, it's very specific. <laughs> I was uh, 12. I was, like, it was sixth grade. I was one of those kids that, like, never, I was in that same mindset of, like, I never really thought about the possibility that he wasn't real. Mm. Because I loved the Christmas season. I loved the idea of Santa. I loved the Santa Claus films as a kid. Yeah. And I loved just the fact that, like, it was just a perfect time and a fun character to believe in. But, like, at that age, especially tail end of elementary school, 
it was weirdly a badge of honor for some kids to be like, oh, I know he's not real. I know it's right. like for me, I was always the kid who was like, I would never fight back at that. But at the same time, I would be like, I, why are we having this conversation? Yeah, it's just like poking, a, yeah. you know, poking somebody's but, uh, balloon. I think it was like that Christmas Eve, I've, if I remember correctly, my dad was doing a tour in the Middle East and my mom was playing Santa all by herself. And it was difficult because she had so many different presents. So at the time, she just assumed I didn't believe in Santa anymore. <laughs> so she came into my room and like woke me up at like early in the morning and was like, hey, can you help me put the presents under the tree? And that's when I found out that Santa didn't exist. Wild. <laughs> it was great because like she just never, she was like, oh, never he's probably old. She's probably old enough. What was also funny is I remember that night too that like, uh, I, I would pull out presents that I knew were mine. It was like, ooh, an iTunes card. My mom would be like, shut up. Shut up. Your, your, your brother and sister is sleeping. Shut up. But, yeah. Yeah, that was about the age that I think of. And I think it's a fun conversation to talk about because the Santa Claus is just a wild trilogy. Yeah. Just all front to back. Now that we've uh, rewatched, well, I've rewatched all of them. You never watched the third one before. Right. I watched the so now that I thought I watched the first one a lot as a kid. But you couldn't remember all those crazy and things I, that it yeah, goes to. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out what I was remembering really was the second film. Yeah. Which I think might be the case for a lot of other people. It has know, to be. Because I, I think like. we all kind of had a similar experience watching these movies yeah. again. Because, I mean,. It was just kind of shocking how many things in the first film I don't remember and how much it is about Tim Allen being a jerk yeah, and a bad dad and yeah. divorce. It's, and... it's hard being a divorced dad that also just accidentally becomes Santa because yeah. you killed Santa on Christmas Eve. Yeah. <laughs> Again, if you for some reason, if you haven't seen the Santa Claus films, which I assume you have, but if you just need a refresher because it's been so long and you haven't rewatched them yet, <laughs> the Santa Claus trilogy really is based upon that Tim Allen is a divorced dad at a toy company. He's like in the marketing division. Yeah. And he has his kid for Christmas Eve. His kid hates hanging out with him. <laughs> and on Christmas night, his son hears somebody on the roof. They go and check it out. It's Santa. And Tim Allen just distracts and accidentally... He, like scares him. He scares Santa Claus and accidentally kills him. Yep, he falls off the roof. And he puts on his jacket because I, I guess you just need to do that. Yeah, you just pull jackets off of corpses. Yeah, and and it, and it, and it brings up the Santa Claus with an E, which is if you put on the dead man suit, you automatically become Santa. Yep. And that is such a wild Disney film premise. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. It only gets weirder from there. Because this is also the film where Santa gets arrested. Mm -hmm. There's like a SEAL Team 6 elf division that oh, has yeah. to help Santa. There's that whole part towards the end where Charlie gets kidnapped. On mm -hmm. uh, accident, I guess. Where it's like Thanksgiving to Christmas Eve, <laughs> there's just no Charlie. <laughs> yeah. And Scott, Tim Allen, Tim Allen's character's name is Scott Calvin perfect sc santa claus you know wonderful but like doesn't understand the fact that you know he only has rights probably every other weekend <laughs> but he takes them for a whole month during christmas yeah it's just kind of glossed over it's just such a wild movie to watch yeah now. well it's it's weird because it's like it's just barely kind of i mean it's it's clear that the movie only exists in its form because it's produced by disney but like anybody else with 
the yeah. script could have made like Fat Man, you know, out of it. Like that. Yeah, it's, honestly, it's a script that kind of is. I don't want to say it's you know particularly complex or intelligence intelligent, but it's it's dealing with kind of grim things, and it's yeah, you know, people are. You know, Tim Allen's a jerk the whole time, and not even in, like, a redeeming way. He's just a jerk a to everyone. Weirdly, um, the film talks about, in a weird thematic way, like, how finding out or being told that Santa isn't real. The series itself, when an adult has been told as a child that Santa isn't real, it's like a shock of reality that turns them into, like, almost a grumpy adult. Yeah. Like, it ages them up. And right. it's so weird to see that in this film. Because the first one isn't there's that whole scene in the lawyer's office like lobby, where um, uh, Judd Nelson's Neil and I can't remember Tim Allen's ex's name, but um, her they talk about when they realize that Santa didn't exist, and it's like it's oh, an entire yeah. scene where it almost feels like a monologue. <laughs> it's like <laughs> why why is Santa so important to these adults? Uh, yeah, well, it's I guess so it's, you know weird. It's, it's this world where. Santa actually does exist, and yeah. I mean, we get into it in the later movies where it's like, you know, if Santa were to disappear or stop being Santa, Christmas is over. Yeah. It's just... an apocalyptic event. Like it's so weird. <laughs> but no, yeah, I mean, the the weirdest, just generally the weirdest thing about the experience of revisiting the first film was like, wow, this is way less, like... Christmassy and fun Santa Claus antics than I thought it was, and so much more about you know divorce and kind of blended families. Oh my and, god, yeah, and not not necessarily even in like a wholesome like enriching no. way. It's just like oh Neil the stepdad is a goober, yeah, and uh, Tim Allen is a jerk, but we're supposed to sympathize with him, yeah. The... And then somehow he becomes Santa Claus and is just a nice guy now because he's wearing the coat. Yeah, the ex and her new husband are almost practically scared for the good chunk of the film because they feel yeah. like her their son Charlie's obsession with Santa is unhealthy. Yeah. And it's like a cry for help. <laughs> and it's like played off as a laugh. And it's so weird to see that in a film like this. And I mean, it, it makes sense, especially the 90s where it's like, you know, Disney is looking for an easy film, especially during the holiday season. And you have Tim Allen like knee deep in home improvement years yeah. and it's like of course if you're gonna make a film why not go with especially a year after this it's toy story mm -hmm. another hit with disney and tim allen and it's like makes sense at the same time though this film is so weirdly not that funny no very not funny i mean it is trying to be funny it's not like it's trying to be super serious the whole but time like it's for like an the adult. humor is so lame yeah i mean it, it's like it's like what i think of like Tim Allen's comedy now, like it's how I think of him now is like kind which, of which begs the question: Was that always what it maybe was? Maybe it always was. <laughs> I liked Home Improvement. I haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah. But like growing up, I always really liked it. Of course, growing up, I also liked Santa Claus. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it just really feels like it's only halfway trying to be funny, but it's trying too hard at the same time. Oh and my not gosh, landing. There's the one joke, it's like when he initially, I think he's starting to give presents in the in the bag, Santa's bag just starts floating, and he's holding on to it, yeah. he's like, and he goes, don't worry, this isn't wacky, I lived through the 60s. Yeah. And you go, what? Is yeah, that, like, the, is, is the fact... Is that's like, the joke? That's the joke? <laughs> that That's more of the humor in these movies, honestly, is like the 
oh, they they thought that was the punchline. Yeah. Because there's also like <laughs> That's hilarious. like ten minutes later he does the yeah. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. I'm getting a cat scan is what he says. Yeah. And you're like that's such a It's like bottom of the barrel uh blue collar TV yeah. jokes. It like, sounds like if your dad like smokes a pipe in front of a fireplace, it sounds like the type of humor that he would chuckle at if yeah. he watched the film with you. Yeah. Like it feels so weirdly like as a kid you're like, aha ha ha cat scan? <laughs> yeah. That sounds funny. I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. And it, like it even yeah, it permeates into the sequel because in the sequel there's a, there's a line where they talk about, um, you know, they're trying to tell Santa that his son Charlie's on the naughty list. And, like, he thinks they're talking about Charlie Sheen. Yeah. And he goes, they're like, oh, no, Charlie's on the naughty list. And he said, Sheen? Well, I thought he cleaned up his ass. And it's like, this is a Disney movie. Yeah. Why? Is, and thinking about Disney now, can you think of a Disney film now referencing Charlie, Charlie Sheen? Sheen? Yeah. Like, this feels weirdly like, oh, that's right. This is the studio that will ultimately make, like, old dogs. <laughs> that will, like, make these, like, live-action films that just feel weirdly, like, out of place yeah. in their studio. Out of touch with, like, all audiences. <laughs> yeah, and strangely enough, this wasn't out of touch. All three films made over $100 yeah. million dollars with yeah. very, with vastly different, bot like, budgets. Yeah. And it's kind of astounding in this first film how it's, like... Well, honestly, it doesn't surprise me that the budget was $22 million on that first film because, my God, the effects in that first film. Pretty rough. Yeah. yeah. Also, the designs were just ugly. Yeah, like, the new sled. and not like, interesting. Yeah, yeah, like, the green and blue new sled. Like, what's yeah. so hype? What's, like, what's so hip about that? Yeah, that was pretty, gl- pretty gross. I don't There's know, maybe the... they were going for... For, no, this was before Toy Story. I was yeah. thinking of RC, the car, the green and blue. Oh. <laughs> Uh, oh, they, yeah, the, the the CD in the sleigh, uh, the oh, cookie dispenser, yeah. all the, that, like all those jokes. The cookie dispenser, I forgot about that. I mean, we get, we got to talk about the best part of Santa Claus. Honestly, the best part of the first two films and why the third one is the worst of the three, at least for me personally, is Bernard. Oh, Bernard yeah. Is, Bernard is wonderful in the first film. Yeah. David Krumholtz just comes in and is like... <laughs> he's like 15 in the first one Yeah, he's like 15 or 16. He just comes in and he's like, Santa, here's all the things you need to know. Yeah, he's, he's like, like, I'm not Santa. He's like, fuck you, yeah, you are. <laughs> You'll be back. <laughs> he's like the, uh, the exposition monster, but like he does it in the most, you know, in the best commanding way. Yeah. way. He does it like he's in like Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Like he's just like <laughs> trying to pitch it to him. Yeah. You put on the suit, you read the card, it tells you the Santa Claus. Yeah, the Santa Claus. Here he it whips is. out his it, magnifying glass. Oh my gosh. It's just. He's just a blast. He's, yeah. like, giving it his all. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, that, it was just shocking how little, like, Christmas North Pole stuff yeah. there is in the first oh movie. Oh, my God, yeah. He goes there, and you're there for, like, five minutes, and then he drinks hot cocoa and falls asleep and then goes gets transported back to the real world. Yeah. And then you, like, don't go there again until the end of the movie. Like, it's so weird that uh, for a film that is apparently so beloved that it's been it's it's been on – Freeform, formerly known ABC Family, yeah. for years. And it's a film where the majority of the film is Santa going, well, I'm not Santa. This isn't real. I'm yeah. just becoming fat because I'm becoming fat. It's it's my own issue. And it's like, what? Yeah. This is, a, this is a Christmas movie. Why is Santa pretending he's not Santa? Like, he doesn't admit that he's Santa until the third act. Yeah. 
like when he when when he kidnaps his son, which like, <laughs> to okay, get ready for know, the, like, the stint. Yeah, which is like okay, you want that to be the conflict of the movie is that he doesn't yeah. accept that he's Santa, but like then you can't rapidly descend him into Santahood throughout the movie. I mean, the, the movie takes place over the course of I think like a year. It is a year, yeah. Um, but like within maybe fifteen or twenty minutes, you watch him do a couple kind of gag scenes just. Mm-hmm transform drastically each scene from tim allen 90s tim allen to full-blown santa claus and it it feels the way the film moves it feels like it happens in like three days yeah it's like they talk they're like like, oh my gosh you've gotten so fat in a week it was like a week yeah it's like like, you have a three foot white three foot long white beard he just went from you know dark brown hair yeah he had a regular job there's one scene where he goes back to his regular job as like transitioning into santa and he eats all this food and like his boss is worried about him and then he never goes back to work (laughs) either he got fired or just didn't care anymore yeah and just like because the film basically as soon as he does christmas eve after he kills santa he gets sent to the north pole bernard goes and regardless if you think you're santa or not we're gonna pick you up on thanksgiving so you know Get your stuff in order until then. <laughs> See you, bye. And then, like, the rest, like, the majority of the film after that is um, Charlie, his son, um, Neil, and his mom basically trying to get custody of him because they think Scott is a bad influence because yeah. all Charlie talks about is Christmas. Which, that would fuck a kid up if I if, sure. if I found out my dad was Santa. Of course, that would be the only thing I would want to talk about. Especially if I was his age. Yeah. When that's like the when it sounds like the age, especially for you, where it's like that's when people were starting to be mm-hmm. like, no, Santa doesn't exist. Yeah, like that would definitely fuck a kid up. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, and the film almost kind of dabbles into that a little bit, but then Tim Allen comes in and he's an asshole, and they don't really address anything, and he just kind of like, yeah, it's well, it's it's a weird thing because yeah, he's an asshole the entire movie, but it's never really like. The film is never really, like, at his expense. It's like he's delivering all the punchlines. He's yeah. making jokes out of other people. And so the, yeah. the film is just feels like it's, like, you know, it's behind him in him being a dick to everyone. And it's just, he's so unlikable. I yeah. forgot how unlikable he is. Because yeah. it's like, I mean, we were making jokes while we were watching. We were so like, we're oh, going, he's just Tim yeah. Allen. And we're going, ah, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> But, like... Tim the Toolman Taylor is so much more charismatic yeah. than, than Santa. For some reason, Scott Calvin is just the like the quintessential bad divorce dad. Well, and like I get that you want to do the like transformation redemption as he becomes Santa, yeah. but it's never really earned. It's just it's like it's light switch. He, yeah, it's like as he physically transforms into Santa, which he can't help. He just also turn magically yeah. turns into a good guy, and it's like okay, well that wasn't earned. He looks into a snow globe, realizes, oh, this is real, and then he's a nice guy. Yeah. For the last twenty minutes. And it's like, that's not that's not development. Yeah. That's not how that shit works. <laughs> just like you just can't go straight into it like that. That's yeah. so weird. I mean, we we do have to talk about it's probably not only just the best joke in this film, but probably my favorite joke in the entire trilogy, which is the Denny scene. Oh yeah. The Denny scene is great. So in the film uh scott you know being the workaholic that he is totally forgot to pick up his son you know (laughs) classic santa move yep and he's supposed to have a christmas dinner ready but he doesn't know how to cook and so he screws up christmas dinner and so he is trying to find a place to eat (laughs) nothing's open because it's christmas eve the idiot seems to forget 
So they go to a Denny's. Mm-hmm. And Denny's seems to be the hub for all the divorced dads, <laughs> the single dads that have fucked up Christmas Eve dinner. And it is hilarious. It's like the best sight gags in the yeah, film. Yeah, they, they go the sit best down lines. and Tim Allen looks across, or Scott looks across the room and sees a, a dad with his kid or whatever. And he just like gives him a little wave. And then he looks yeah. to the other side of the room, sees another one, waves. Yeah. And one has like, one has a bandage <laughs> over his head. One has bandages over his hands. Yeah. And it's like... It, it's not like Tim Allen going, look at that idiot. Yeah, it's look just at like, that. Oh, oh, it's hello like, there. Yeah, it's just like silence. Yeah. As all these sad single dads <laughs> are eating with their kids who were disgruntled. Yeah. And that was the funniest joke the in this film. Gag, yeah. yeah, and that's that's about it with the first one. Yeah, it's like strangely. Yeah. My biggest kind of two takeaways from it were that it's like, I mean, it's a bad movie, but like um, mainly it's probably not the one you remember. If you, yeah. if you watch these movies, you probably remember the second one. And also, like, it's just way more kind of grim and sad and pathetic than I remembered what's, it being. What's so crazy is, like, while I agree with you on that, because, I mean, I've seen these films enough times that I was like, yeah, this is not going to be this is not going to be the fun one of the three yeah. that we watch. It's going to be the wildest one. At the same time, though, when I think of, like, the years that ABC Family would be doing 25 Days of Christmas... After the third escape, like after Escape Clause came out, they never played the second one. They always played one and three, That's so which weird. begs the question: Why would you take the most magical, fun, and like decent of the three? Christmassy one, yeah, and you just like you push the one that is the downright <laughs> just like basic. It's when I think of the first film, I think gray. Yeah. I think gray, I think, like, grounded, which is also very weird in a Santa Claus film. Yeah, it's just weird how grounded and, like, everyday it feels. Which is, like, which is why when you get into the sequel, which is, like, you jump eight years into the future to 2002, you yeah. get the Santa Claus film you think everyone would have wanted the first time mm-hmm. around. And it's, it's weird, because if you liked that first Santa Claus film... Too bad they're going quite whimsical and fantastical in the sequel. Right. And honestly, for good, for good, honestly, for oh, better. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, Santa Claus 2 is fine. It is still weird because <laughs> it's it's hilarious that in the second one, the new clause is the Mrs. Claus. Right. Which is, yeah, Santa has to bone and get a, and a wife by Christmas Eve or he'll never be Santa again. <laughs> which begs the question... Why <laughs> why have Santa at all if it really needs just if you need a woman like well, also what just ha- to be there. Yeah, like what, what happened to the original Santa's wife when he fell off a roof and yeah. died? See this uh, there's one thing the sequel like brings up question of it's like who makes the naughty and nice list? Yeah, it keeps Why it, is this it, happening? It's, <laughs> it's a ongoing problem with this series that like it expands on its own lore. Yeah. But just creates more problems. As yeah. it, like, in making it all make sense, as it adds more to it. But it does have that vibe of, like, if you ask Tim Allen these questions, and Tim Allen's like, it's a dumb Christmas movie, well, guys. Sure. I don't yeah. give a shit. It's like, they paid me. I was there. Oh, yeah, well. It's that's Tim Allen's the vibe. job to care. Oh, my, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it, it seems like as the films go on, he does kind of <laughs> care less and less. Yeah. Except in Santa Claus 2, we get probably the best Tim Allen performance ever. Oh, for sure. Uh, Toy Santa. Yeah. Which again, I will bring up in the in in Santa Claus Two, while Tim Allen is looking for a wife, <laughs> the elves decide to make a toy Santa 
to basically trick the other elves into thinking Santa's fine. And so Tim Allen plays... Yeah, it's, it's a cover while he goes back to yeah. normal life to try and find uh, a wife. Yeah. It's his cover. Which is weird, because Bernard in the first film was like, ah, you, you can go do your own shit, we'll take care yeah, of it I'll here. cover for you. Like, Bernard was fine for an entire year, why then, is this yeah. year any different? But then they decide, oh, the elves will freak out and nothing will go right if you aren't yeah. around. And it's like, and then, but, thank God we do. Because plastic Tim Allen is not chewing the scenery. He's eating the whole set. He is the scenery. And I loved it. Yeah. It's that whole hot cocoa scenery. Oh like, I like it. Yeah, he like... He, <laughs> Woo! Yeah, he toy so... Santa tries... Of course, he's, he's Tim Allen caked in probably like two or three inches of makeup and prosthetics. Yeah, a lot and... of gloss on him because he's got to look like yeah. a toy. Yeah, he looks shiny. He looks plasticky. His hair is literally like a rubber piece on top of his head. Yeah. Kind of molded to look like hair. Um, but yeah, he, he tries hot chocolate for the first time and he like just drinks the entire thing piping hot yeah, and he's just like, wow, I'm Santa's getting a little bit of a buzz. Yeah. It's like, what is this character? I he, like Coco. He's scary and hilarious in the best way. And then yeah. that Santa becomes the antagonist. Right. He becomes... Hitler Santa or fascist yeah, Santa, yeah. and it's very he gets astounding. All done up in like black leather, <laughs> off, like Nazi officer garb, and it's so like what? Is this? <laughs> and it's so crazy too that like the sequel actually has interesting aspects in terms of like one of the most interesting aspects that is like touched for a little bit, barely talked about, and then like is given kind of a resolution at the end, but not really. Is Charlie now is like a teenager. And he's a bad kid. Yeah. Because even though his dad is Santa, he's still a bad dad. <laughs> like yeah. he, that doesn't change anything. It just means that uh, he cares about more kids than he cares <laughs> about his own kid. Yeah. Which kind of brings a, a bit of an evil kind of bit to him. Right. And it's probably the best scene in the film where Charlie just like says, like, you know, I have one of the best like dads in the world and yet he's never around. Yeah. Like he's supposed to be the coolest guy, but you suck. <laughs> and it's yeah. like Wow. Like, that's, like, a good concept to talk about where it's, like, you know, Scott, yeah, is Santa, but he's still a divorced dad that <laughs> seems to not understand what time means, especially yeah. to a kid. Well, and Charlie, I don't remember the name of the actor. Eric Lloyd, Eric Lloyd, I believe. He probably gives the best performance in that movie. Yeah. I mean, he kills it. He has so many scenes where he, like, breaks down screaming and crying at his dad, and it's it's like, oh, man. A little bit of nuance here and there. awful for he's, Charlie. He's got, he's got to get all that angst, and yeah. he does it incredibly well. And the fact that it's the same actor, too, from the yeah. first film is really yeah. cool. And then he comes back for 30 seconds. And in the third one. third one. Yeah, which is, you know, honestly fine. Because, yeah. like, it's like, if you're not going to do anything with Charlie, you might as well just, like, have him for five seconds, and then he leaves. Yeah. Because give him give him a paycheck for the three days he was on set. <laughs> just let, leave him be. Yeah. Let him live his life. <laughs> but but two, uh, I, I found two to be just a lot more tolerable. I mean, it's, it's more it like... Is. It's... I guess less interesting in the sense that it's like, you know, it's a pretty basic, mediocre kids family film. But, like, it's just less of a slog than the first one because the first one's so unlikable for so yeah. much of the time. And this one is just, it's dumb and it's badly written, but it's, like, cheery and they're having fun. And well, yeah. the, the editing kind of actually makes sense this time. The music works. It's, yeah. like, cheery and whimsical when it needs to be. 
it, it feels like if you tell somebody what the Santa Claus trilogy is supposed to be about, you know, it's Tim Allen and Santa Claus. Oh, yeah. You go, oh, perfect. And then you watch that first one, you're like, like wait, I, what? I get that, but, like, <laughs> this feels vastly different than what I thought in my head. Yeah. And then the second like one is like, yeah, then the second one you're like, oh, this feels more in line with what I thought. Yeah, yeah, the second one is definitely kind of the quintessential yeah, movie of it's the like trilogy. it's like watch Tim Allen try to pick up chicks as Santa, and obviously he's <laughs> awful at it. Yeah, and it fits a lot better with what you assume Tim Allen's character would be. And also, Scott as a character is less of a dick in the second yeah. one. He's still a dickhead, but like he's like a, he's, he's a lo- had, he's had the influence of the Santa magic yeah. on him, and he's just he's, a nicer person. Yeah, he's a lovable ass in the second one. In the yeah. first one, he's just an asshole. Mm-hmm. And it's like, because like you get great moments where like he has to have chemistry with who will ultimately end up becoming his Mrs. Claus, his son's principal, which does not end well for like initially, <laughs> because of course Charlie's not going to be like, well you're not going to spend time with me, but you want to fuck my principal? Yeah. <laughs> what does that tell me, Dad? And it's like, it's fun to watch the uh, the budding romance because it actually feels really well done between the two of them. Like I like even though it happens, you know in feels like in five seconds especially right. their development wise there's good emotional romantic moments between them where it's like i can believe that they would work well together as yeah. mr and mrs claus and they do and it works out for them it's fun spencer breslin is a new elf in this one he's curtis oh yeah because you know bernard's in this one but they need a new elf who basically bitches about how no one follows the rules. That's our favorite kind of character. Yeah. The lore elf. That's yeah. my favorite character in every film. Yeah. You remember in Star Wars when they have that lore elf that says, like, no, lightsabers don't do that. <laughs> That's my favorite character in every series. Uh, yeah, he's just constantly saying no, no. He's like, things have been a little too sloppy, which leads to fascist Santa. Yeah. So, like, when Curtis is like, oh, man, I really screwed the pooch. And it's like... Yeah. yeah, you did. It's entirely your fault, dickhead. I don't feel bad for you. Bernard could have done this entirely by himself. <laughs> Bernard is best elf and deserves oh, all the love yeah. he gets. Bernard should be Santa. That should be the fourth one. David Krumholtz comes, <laughs> comes back. back. Yeah, accidentally kills Tim Allen. His, his big hurrah after numbers. Yes. San- the Santa Claus 4. Yeah. Oh, he's done other stuff since the numbers. Fir- I know, but that's been like his <laughs> biggest kind of... Claim to fame. You got a little, you got a little hot and heavy there, right? <laughs> you just got a little spicy with me. I know. I didn't say numbers was the only thing he did. <laughs> but no, yeah, we need Santa Claus for the the best elf clause. The best elf clause. How many more clauses do you think they could come up with? Well, they they used like eight magnifying glasses just to see the the Mrs. Claus in the second one. I, I do love the fact that in the second one. The, I don't even think they show the escape no, clause in the that's third what's one. so funny. In the second one, they actually put into the detail that, like, in the first film, the Santa Claus is on Santa Claus's business card. Yeah, it's the fine business print, card. It's yeah, the it's fine on the print, print around the trim, and so he and uses it, this yeah. magnifying glass to see it. And in the second one, it's hilarious because the Mrs. Claus is the fine print on the fine print, yeah. and that's hilarious. In the third one, they just... It's a, an unspeakable clause that I guess is not written in stone. <laughs> yeah. Yet apparently Curtis knows. Yeah, we we just threw the Santa Claus lore out the yeah, window. It's like the it's like the Voldemort law. Like no one talks about it. Like <laughs> oh, don't talk about the escape. Like, clause. Who decided that? It's like who who knows about the escape right. clause? Has it been used before? Do we just not know? And that's another thing. If the escape clause has been used, 
would you even know it's been used? Because time changes surrounding. Right. I don't think God. anybody knows that it was used except for Santa or Scott Calvin and Jack Frost. That's the thing, it. too. Yeah, it's like in, we're skipping way ahead, but we is are it time to move away. on to. I don't know. The, I is think there, it is. It's... I don't have anything else to say about <laughs> Santa Claus Two. Santa Claus Two has uh, the legendary creatures. Oh, you want to talk about the oh, Easter Bunny? Yeah, shoot. the Tooth Fairy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we get to see a meeting of the the legendary oh. figures of lore. And there, there's you got Mother Nature. Yes, she's kind of seems like the ringleader of yes. it all. Yeah. Um, and then you've got uh, you've got Santa. You've got the Tooth Fairy, who does uh-huh. not like being called the Tooth Fairy. He wants to be called the Molinator or Roy or Roy for one of those two names. Yeah. For some reason, he's like a like a big stocky Italian dude in like a plumber outfit. Yeah. You have Sandman. Who's Sandman just, who just sleeps. He just sleeps the whole time. Funny. Uh, you have Peter Boyle, who is Scott Calvin's boss in the first film, but <laughs> yeah. I guess now is just Father Time in yeah, the last two films. They cover him up with a big old beard. And then you've got uh, uh, Kevin, Pollock Kevin Pollock as, as Cupid. Cupid. Yeah, And they make, I think in both films, they make a joke about like not wanting to look under his skirt because he yeah. wears like a long dress. He a skirt and he flies above people. And then I guess they just assume his, his ball sack is hanging out because they just talk about like, I don't want to see what's under your shirt. And it's like, why is that the joke? <laughs> I mean, the best joke in two uh, is the tooth fairy scene where they're trying to get the tooth out of Scott's mouth. Oh, yeah, yeah That was yeah. the funniest editing because it's like... <laughs> yeah, that was the best editing. Because, like, they, did a, they do, like, one thing where they tied it under a, around a doorknob and mm-hmm. the doorknob pops off and hits Tim Allen. He <laughs> makes a funny noise. And then as soon as Judd Nelson, immediately as Judd Nelson sees what happens, it's a hard cut to they're now trying to do it again with a yep. toaster. Yeah. And they throw the toaster over the banister, and then Tim Allen just, just gets falls yanked and just over gets, the banister. Basically, would the die. In that, he yeah. would die. No, that yeah. was the funniest. That's the best like sight gag. But uh, I will say the best best joke has to go to the the Coco performance. Of oh, Toy Santa. that's true. You know what? Never mind. I like Coco. Anything with Toy Santa. Yeah, is some good stuff. His sound his sound design was funny. How every time he moved, they gave him a squeak. Whether it was tiny or big, yes. he's like SpongeBob walking around. Yeah, it's great. And now we got we got to get to. We're speeding through these because, it, it, again, this is why we do three in one episodes yeah. like this with certain trilogies because it's like, it's like what are, what are we really going to say here? I know I don't Santa Claus three. Well, here's the thing: is this is probably my second or third time because I think I told you I had seen the first one plenty of times as a kid because as a kid it was like again christmas i was a slut for christmas i would literally watch anything that was christmas related and this was like a disney film tim allen tim allen played buzz i liked buzz this was the logic as a child when it's like i'll do this and i'll watch the film and when santa claus 2 came out saw that in theaters watched that a hundred times more than i did the first one and then when santa claus 3 came out maybe once or twice and that was it but you've never seen this film. I had never once set foot, which does into not surprise the me. Minefield that was the Escape Clause. So tell me, Andy, what were your first thoughts of Santa Claus Three: The Escape Clause in well, 2020? Well, the only thing that really leaves an impression on for, on me from this film is Martin Short as Jack Frost. That is the biggest addition. Yeah, because because it's otherwise kind of just it's very much in the vein of Santa Claus Two. It's, yeah. it's, you know, cheery Santa Claus stuff, and Scott Calvin has to do some tricky thing, or else Christmas is screwed. Uh-huh. Um, 
and and Jack Frost is the new guy who gets thrown in the mix and kind of tries to throw a wrench in everything. And Martin Short is like his Martin Shortiest um, yeah. as Jack Frost. Uh, Which again, like, this is probably the film that as a kid I was like, is Martin Short funny? Well, this was the one to me where I was like, because to me, I can't really think of, because in my head, Martin Short is the guy that's in like, he's almost like a background character in a lot of films. Like, Yeah, he's almost like a comedy character. Father of the Bride, I think, is the immediate one as a kid. Yeah. Even though I never really watched Father of the Bride, and my parents watched it, and I remember for some reason seeing him all the time in those films, because yeah. I think he's the wedding designer. And like yeah. Three Amigos, I saw it a few, oh, like mm-hmm. once or twice as a kid. And then, like, yeah, yeah this... he was just kind of—he was bigger before us, kind he of. Was. And he then, was, yeah. You know, I mean, he's still around, still doing stuff, still working, and all that. And I think he's still funny, but I mean, yeah, well, he's funny, movie, yeah. Really, but um, he's definitely funnier than Tim Allen. But in this film, <laughs> yeah. you wouldn't—you couldn't tell. Yeah, because the writing really just doesn't give him much to do. Yeah, well, it's kind of one of those situations. This is kind of how I felt about. Jim Carrey and Sonic, and I know Sonic got a ton of praise because, oh, they brought back 90s Jim Carrey where he yeah. acts like a cartoon. But what I felt like about that and also about Jack Frost is that, oh, the writer knew that they were getting Jim Carrey or Martin Frost or Martin, Martin Frost. Short, no, Martin, Martin Frost. Short, and just said, oh, okay, we've got this guy. Let me just, like, you know, write the most basic kind of. Yeah. Lines that they can do. And they can just do their thing. Yeah. And it's like Martin Short. They just say, Martin Short, do your thing. And it's like, okay, Martin Short's a funny guy. But, like, when he's tied down to these bad lines you give him and the only way to carry it is for him to do his thing, it's not really going to land. You know, you, yeah. if he's going to do his thing, he's got to write his material. He's got to improv and practice it and whatever. What is hilarious about that, Andy, is not only do I 100% agree with that, that is exactly how I would also describe, especially in this film, how Tim Allen's performance feels. Yeah. Because Tim Allen feels like, in this performance, I mean, Santa in this film is the dumbest son of a bitch I've ever seen. Yeah. Because Jack Frost is the antagonist. Jack Frost hates Santa, because Santa has a holiday, and he doesn't. Right. So Jack Frost does everything in his power to fuck up Christmas, <laughs> and every time Jack Frost screws something up, Santa goes, well, I wonder how this got screwed up. Yeah. And it's not until he is basically, like, lost that he goes, wait, Jack did this? <laughs> no. It's how like, could he do this to me? And it just feels like in this one, yeah, it's like, Tim, you took the paycheck. You know what you gotta do. Yeah. Just keep doing your thing. Because honestly, there's less jokes in this film that feel like super dated like kind of boomery yeah. humor like it is in the first well, it's definitely films. like the safest writing wise yeah like it's not really going for anything risky or weird or dangerous or edgy. no i mean but again it, it yeah I, and i understand too because it's like for disney it's like this is a safe bet yeah this is going to be a film that like santa claus 2 did i think even better than the first one did. Yeah, I, I think I the first so. film made I think a hundred and twenty, maybe hundred thirty million worldwide. Okay. The second one I think I made nearly two hundred million worldwide, mm. and then this one made a little over a hundred. Yeah. But this budget, which is still astounding <laughs> to me, Santa Claus One had a budget of twenty two million. Santa Claus Two had a budget of sixty five million. Santa Claus 3 apparently had a budget of 12 million. 12 million. And think about how much of that probably went to Martin, went to Alan. Yeah. Went, like, that is so went weird. Went to Tim. 
Which means, yeah, with Tim, Tim and Alan, you right. gave two two million for each name. <laughs> yeah. Which begs the question, like, now that we know that, watching the film, it's safe to say, like, oh, that's right. This film kind of does feel like a bottle episode now that I watch it, because the majority of the film just takes place at the North Pole. Yeah. Which you wouldn't think is an issue. It Not really. It's not the biggest issue in this film. Oh, no. But, like, it's hilarious how, like, in this film, the escape clause is basically... You wish you're not Santa, and then like it's a Back to the Future Part Two pl- yeah. plot B scenario. When it's kind of a weird situation where it's like, once everything happens and kind of resolves, there there never really was any consequence or immediate risk of consequence on no. like, the outside world. No. It's all super self-contained. Yeah. Once Santa writes that wrong, it was literally minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's which is hilarious because it was basically minutes for us too. <laughs> where it's like it was like ten to fifteen minutes of yeah. just like let's do this detour in like Back to the Future Two land where we see alternate timelines. Right. And when we see Jack Frost is Santa Claus timeline, uh, all it is is he added new signs to North Pole. <laughs> Nothing else looks different. Yeah, he, and it's he's like just kind of monetized. Oh, so this is how you skimp. Yeah. This is how you skimp on the budget. This is how you make you how you use your which props to the production. You knowing how to use your budget well yeah. because they used it as best as they could and made basically an entire film around it very well. And honestly, like you said, like for a film that's about Santa, you would assume that you would spend a lot of it in the North Pole. And this is the film where you spend most of it in the North Pole, yeah. probably the, in like all three films. Well, there's there's not even any delivery of presents there's not any no he just does his thing christmas stuff there is a delivery of a baby though (laughs) off screen right mrs claus delivers yeah mrs claus uh screams on a freeze frame because they do like that fast forward of her going to the infirmary and then you just hear her scream and then it like cuts to black (laughs) yeah and then she has a baby that's how babies are born i will say i was not expecting after having watched uh pieces of a woman this week uh, Shia LaBeouf, Vanessa Kirby. Oh, um, oh, I heard that one. Was uh, sad. A marriage and childbirth drama. Um, I was not expecting Santa Claus 3, The Escape Clause, to open with the same sort of sequence as Pieces of a Woman, <laughs> but chopped down by like 90%. I cannot wait to watch Pieces of a Woman and just not stop thinking about how you just compared... That sad I, film to the Santa Claus. <laughs> I did not expect that watching two movies in a week, the two movie or watching mo- so many movies in a week for because uh, I did the the IFJA awards. Yeah, humble uh, humble brag, you know, self um, self promotion, yeah. but good. Yeah, Get our nominate our nominees are out now. Go check them out. Yeah, IFJA. and no hillbilly elegy for shame. No hillbilly man. elegy for <laughs> shame. Well, and more more contentiously, no mank either. Oh wow, yeah, that was right. Make, but didn't make the cut. But anyway. I was not in all the movies I watched this week. I was not expecting the two to have essentially the same opening to be Pieces of a Woman and the Santa Claus Three: The Escape Clause. Maybe of the same writers. That would be I hope. hilarious if that, that was <laughs> if they had anything in common. Yeah, like do set like Seven Degrees of Kevin or Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon. <laughs> that just would like... be like a, a filmmaking fun fact for the ages. Yeah, it's like it... a Craig Mazin going from disaster movie to chernobyl yeah that's like the that's like the master disguised 9-11 fact yeah where it's like they all <laughs> dana carvey in the turtle outfit yeah yeah stood, watching yeah. the towers fall yeah and silence and it's like the fact that this was even a thing is just yeah. astounding 
Well, that was uh, weird. How how was it that nine eleven got brought up and it wasn't my fault? <laughs> well, it just kind of got kind of came to the conversation. Rubs off on you. I guess, it does, sometimes. and honestly, it's more interesting than actually talking about the escape clause. <laughs> yeah. Because what's so astounding about the escape clause is the escape clause is. I'm going to be generous and say it's 10% of the film. The other 90% of the film is, oh my God, how is Santa going to convince his in-laws that he's not Santa? Yeah, I didn't it really is go really for this, weird. I didn't go for the in-law subplot. Yeah, and Margaret and Alan Arkin as the in-laws. I mean, Alan Arkin's the funniest part of this film. His nah, his line, know. well, his line delivery at the end, at the very end, he's finally funny at the end of the where movie. Where he's like, "Well, if you if these are the elves, then you're yeah. Father Christmas, and if you're Father Christmas, I'm father-in-law Christmas." Yeah, and like, he's like, "Wow!" It's like watching an Whoa. old. It's like watching a kid do one plus one equals two, but really slowly. It's like yeah, Jesus. He's got like deer in headlight eyes, and then like he sees Mother Nature, and he gets turned on, and it's oh yeah, and he like lays his head on her. Do so, you remember the Jack Frost scene where he like comes on to uh, Mrs. Claus's mom? Oh, that was yeah. very weird and gross. This, man, was this the horniest movie of the trilogy? I think it was the horniest yeah. movie, and it was the grossest one at the same yeah, time. Yeah, it was disgusting. All the people that I didn't want being horny with each other were yeah. being horny. <laughs> oh, no, I don't even want to know what that <laughs> list was. <laughs> and also, Jack Frost in his normal form looks, oh. like, looks like a scarier Tony Bennett. <laughs> yeah, or like one of those televangelists. Oh yeah, he, he looks like a mega church praying COVID away. And yeah, he looks like a mega church pastor. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> oh my god, the escape clause feels like exactly what it looks like—just a paycheck. Yeah. It just, and I can't think of like I can't believe they made Martin Short do like the full entire length of. A New York, New York parody, North Pole, North Pole. Yeah, that's like another thing too, where it's like I I don't think of Martin Short as a selling point in '06, unless you're trying yeah. to sell it to like your. Maybe they just assume that by Santa Claus Three, it was a good like grandparents take their grandkids to see a film. Yeah, I film. guess so. So they got like Martin well, Short, Martin Short, and uh, Alan yeah. Arkin are in yeah, Alan Arkin and Margaret. Wow! Oh, we got some prestige on this. <laughs> oh, movie. I'm so excited! Yeah. It's like and like your parents are like, yeah, sure, go take them. Like I don't want to see Santa Claus Three. <laughs> yeah. And with this, I mean, the trilogy itself, it's just like, yeah. I mean, the fact that it's a trilogy is not odd because not really no. because like you know Tim Allen, money. yeah, it's like Tim Allen. There's a point in his career where he was just like he was trying to be pushed as a selling point for anything. Mm-hmm. Like even when you thought he was like done being pushed as a movie star, you got like Wild Hogs, and then like you got films in that kind of era, and then you got Last Man Standing, mm-hmm. and then like he it's been on TV a decade almost. Yeah. It's got to be, like, at least six, seven years. Like, I think it's, it's now been on long enough that I think they recently, if they haven't done it yet, it's going to happen soon, where he's doing a home improvement crossover with them. Yeah, no, that's the next, the final season they're going to yeah. do that. They just yeah. did, like, a promo. Or it's like, I mean, Tim Allen's in this weird spot where it was, like, in the 90s he had, like, Jungle the Jungle, he had mm-hmm. Home Improvement... He was all over the place, and then like in the two thousands, it seemed like it was. We talked about like he did that one film, Joe Somebody. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, where he gets bullied. Yeah, he's like he's, an adult. Yeah, he gets he's bullied like bullied, and he 
Yeah, he's, he's like a corporate kind of dude, and like someone is just a dickhead, and he's like, I'm going to beat your ass. And it's like it's like a weird Rocky underdog story, but with Tim Allen or something <laughs> Who like that. can't get behind Tim Allen? Who honestly can't? Uh, if, honestly. If the first Santa Claus is any indicator. Who can't get behind who, him? Yeah, who can't get behind him? And it's it is it makes sense as to why it became a trilogy, but at the same time, I think it's just the trajectory of what the story became is the wildest part. Yeah, the fact that it took the sequel to finally get to like oh oh we're gonna do Christmas yeah. stuff now. Yeah, it's like Santa oh like stuff. very uh like finally like honestly feels like you can watch Santa Claus two on its own and like pair yeah. it with like Polar Express, <laughs> yeah. and you're like oh this is what this is and like all the fun whimsical like turn off your brain put it on the background yeah. let the kids watch it while you make cookies shit and it like is fine but the first one is like oddly dark in weird places yeah, and just oddly like kind of dour yeah I don't even know if I would say dark but just yeah just yeah. grim and unnecessarily grounded and unpleasant yeah. And it's, 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 but not even in like a, Ooh, we're being, you know, thematically, Hmm. you know, suggestive or provocative or whatever. No, it's just, it's just pathetic. And then the (laughs) end, and the third one just feels like an ABC original film compared, like sequel to the Santa Claus 2. The actual trailer for the movie, the theatrical trailer for the movie feels like an ABC family. Like we just got this movie. It's airing tonight. It's TV debut. Right after Snow Globe (laughs) and a Jenny McCarthy film I think they've done before. Santa Baby. That's one of those films. Tune in for Santa Claus 3 with Martin Short, (laughs) Tim Allen, and Alan Arkin. It's like, okay. Santa Claus, he fights for family and lives for love. Do you think the in-laws are going to find out that their daughter is screwing Santa? <laughs> Tune in at 8 for Santa Claus 3, the yeah. escape clause. Oh, man. What a trilogy. What a ride. Still waiting um, on Santa Claus 4, though. Yeah. I mean, we gotta get We gotta get Bernard back. Yeah. Bernard could be a villain. Bernard could be the hero. Charlie could be the hero or villain. Mm. What if we brought back I think Toy? Curtis should be the villain. No, Krampus should be the villain. Krampus. Uh, Krampus would be a fun villain. Yeah. Could Krampus... Oh my I'm a little God. high on Krampus right now, though, because we just played a, a holiday special in our, our D&D campaign. We did, we did. And I, we I did, I just, I just need to rewatch the that other Krampus. The 2015 movie? Yeah. With like, it's, Adam's... With Adam's, Tony Collette and Adam Scott. Adam Scott yeah. What is with Tony Collette and being with families that just have unfortunate <laughs> circumstances being thrown upon them? Yeah. Uh, right before before she even did hereditary man yeah. well that is the santa claus trilogy yeah it is is it's not probably what you remember it being but even if it is our recommendation is to skip to two you get some good laughs in the first one just by how silly and bad it yeah. is but like it got kind of boring by the end of it it was it was definitely a slog the yeah. second one is like where you're going to have the most genuine fun. But even then, yeah. it's like still at best like a barely almost decent movie. Yeah. Like it's okay. Very uh-huh. okay. But it's like fun by comparison yeah. to the first There's one. a Buzz Lightyear reference in uh, the second one. He's oh, gonna... man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all you can really ask for. Speaking I... of Buzz Lightyear, Tim Allen just got thrown off of Buzz. Now it's Chris Evans. Oh, God. I bet they're, he... they're, doing yeah. a, they're doing a prequel about the real-life Buzz Lightyear. Every time I've seen like, because like people have posted around like the the logo and what his, he looks like, it doesn't look real. It catches me <laughs> off guard every time where yeah, it's like this is one of those fan made. Yeah, it's like Chris Evans plays the real Buzz Lightyear, and it's like, hold on, I hate to tell you this, 
Buzz isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what exactly well, are you doing? Yeah, their wording around it was just so weird because it's like, oh, my first thought was, oh, the real Buzz Lightyear. So, so there was like a you know a TV show or a movie in yeah. this universe called Buzz Lightyear, and that's where the toys come from. But the way they keep saying it, the actual human Buzz Lightyear, it's like, okay, so in this universe, there is a real life living Buzz Lightyear who inspired a toy. I mean, I guess it's like G.I. Joe's. Not only did they like... inspire a toy, there was already a TV show that it supposedly addressed that, or it's well, like, right, it's Star but, Command. But we don't know it's... how much of that was the in-universe cartoon of <sighs> Yeah, that's true, Buzz too. Lightyear. At the same time, though, is out of all the things, we didn't even talk about the fact that, like, Disney just dumped what seemed like f- 80, 87 yeah. different projects into our laps, and just yeah. was like... I do not know. And, like, they, they started releasing even more stuff afterwards. Just, like, yeah. just, like, just like dropping other things in there. And it's... It's kind of like an embarrassment of riches. I mean, it was like, you know, as they started yeah. pumping the stuff out, I was like, you know, the, the nerd in me was like, oh, man, this is awesome. I'm, like, drooling. And then, you know, you scroll down 47 lines, and they're still pumping out more stuff. And you're like, how do they have this much stuff It was it was when announce? It was when Adam would, like... He would come into my room and he would like give me some Star Wars updates and then he would leave. And then <laughs> ten minutes later he came back with more and I was like, Oh, they're doing this now? Yeah. Like you were just telling me in real time when they tell you about all the stuff. Yeah. It's then like, they, geez, yeah. they're just gonna keep going. And then they it's... immediately followed that up with like six years of Marvel announcements and then just general yep. Disney announcements and Pixar yeah. stuff. And they found we we now know. That Tim Allen and Santa Claus is going to be in Spider-Man 3. Yeah, officially With, confirmed. Hopefully, Jack Frost will be in Spider-Man 4, <laughs> but we don't want to have too much hope. Well, right, it'd be tough to... Martin Short's a tough get for Spider-Man yeah. at this point. However, Venom 2, think about it, Sony. Jack Frost, <laughs> Jack Venom, Frost 2. And Venom 2. That's a pitch. That and is Bernard. a pitch. Throw Bernard in there. Throw, Throw Bernard in there. Come Absolutely. On. Come on, Sony. Yes, I want Tom Hardy... And David Crumholtz <laughs> as a tag team duo that have to take on a symbiotic Venom Jack Frost. accidentally kills Santa and has to become Santa Claus. No, the film should be that Venom tries to kill Santa oh, and can't. And can't, because Bernard's too good. Bernard's yeah, protecting Bernard Santa. accidentally kills Bernard Santa. Bernard has his own symbiote, and he's <laughs> using it to fight off Venom. The end is going to be Jack Frost becomes Krampus with the, symbi- <laughs> with the symbiote, and then they have to like have a giant kaiju like like yeah. venom battle, and it's yeah. stupid, and I love it, and we're losing track because it's more interesting. We, we than derailed the like trilogy. six minutes ago. I know, and I love it because yeah. it's great to be back, <laughs> and I'm excited that we we got to do these two Christmas trilogies for you and get right back into the swing of things. And with that said, I will let you all know. That we will not have a Christmas break episode next well, week. Well, yeah, the on yeah because Christmas yeah. is what Friday or Saturday. See, this episode will be out on the nineteenth. Yeah, we're filming it. <laughs> we're filming it. We're recording it live as right. we always do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that camera over there. Oh yeah, always. Uh, so this will be today, the nineteenth. Will be the last episode for a little bit for about for two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah. But in two weeks, we're going to do something special. We're going to do something different. Do you want to talk about that, Andy? Yeah, well, it'll be right around the uh, turn of the year, uh, the new year, as normal people call it. Um, so we're, we're going to do a little kind of end-of-year special. Instead of talking about you know a, a, new, a new trilogy that we haven't covered before, we're going to be talking about kind of our favorites of 
2020. Mm-hmm. It's been a weird year. You keep calling it the gas leak year, and I think that's a good name for it. But, yeah. you know, there's been some really interesting and honestly really great films that have come out of it. So yeah. we want to put those on people's radar. So, yeah, we'll, we were going to take that time to kind of catch up on the films we need to watch. And so tune in, I believe, January 2nd. Okay, the yeah. first Saturday of 2021. Right, yeah. Where we talk about Andy and Logan's top 10 of 2020, and we'll just go down what we love, what we recommend, because pretty much all those films we recommend. And yeah, for a gas leak year, we got to remember the good stuff. Yeah. And because of that, thank you so much for listening. And we Merry will, Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Yeah, we're, we won't, you won't hear from us until after Christmas. <laughs> and after, so Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's. And we will see you on January 2nd. But until then, I'm Logan Sowash. And I'm Andy Carr. Thank you for listening. Bye.